Jacob, what's up, man? Hi. How are you? Fine. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet, dude. You're like a prolific maker, and I've been following you for a while on Twitter. So I, I've been waiting for this and excited for this for like the last week, man. I'm excited. Yeah, awesome. So I've been a subscriber to your newsletter, in fact, right? And I think even to Product Byte when you were still writing it and also brainstorms long before you reached out to me. So. Oh, nice. That's yeah. dope. I love when these sort of serendipitous moments happen. But yeah, man, I've got questions for you, but I don't want to monopolize this time. I, I think you're fascinating and I want to learn from you. So I mean, just, I'm just happy to have this conversation. Yeah, awesome. So feel free to ask anything. But of course, I'm also super curious because you seem to be really good at two things. One is like finding product ideas, of course, because you have a product ideas newsletter, but also growing newsletters, right? So because you built your, your crew product by super quickly and then sold it. And shortly afterward, you started brainstorms, brainstorms.io, right? Yeah. Um, and you told me that you grew it to 3000 subscribers in eight weeks, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, so it was a pretty good growth and I'm happy to share some of the tactics there and, and how all that worked. But yeah, I think, let me just refresh and I'll give you the, the actual number right now. We're at 3,359 and the official start date. Let me go back to my first campaign. First campaign was sent November 5th. And today is January 6th. So November, December, yeah, like two months, roughly, maybe, maybe you know, nine weeks. And we're at about, you know, 3,300 and a half, we'll call it. So yeah, it's been an exciting sort of trajectory to be on. But the reason why I started another newsletter after Product Byte, and I don't want to, you know, jump ahead, is just because like, I figured out sort of a formula that works really well for growing and it seemed like low hanging fruit. I'm like, I don't want to just sort of ditch this thing I learned and go do something else because I think there's more juice to be sort of had out of this method. So that was sort of the impetus there. Yeah. But you're not directly competing, right? With the newsletter you sold. So the right, focus exactly. is a different one. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I always struggle to pronounce his name. So he, he listens to this and like, my bad dude. It's like Menjum. <laughs> Men of him, uh, yeah. Men of yeah, him. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's so hard. He told me like three times on the call, yeah. and I'm still butchering it. I'm just like, dude, I should just make a nickname for you. Like, just like, this is it. But he's a great dude, and sort of like when I sold it to him, I alluded to like, I'm not going to be working on something that's like, it's going to be a newsletter, but I'm not just going to sell this thing to you and then compete with you because like that's shitty. Yeah, uh, nobody <laughs> wants that. So I don't know that we had like an agreement per se, but it was sort of like a handshake deal. It's like, this isn't, that's not my plan at all. So yeah. And I'm excited for him, man. He's growing really uh, quickly too. And I, we sort of share updates back and forth and we become friends. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. And he told me that in his opinion, and you listen to the episode, right? He paid a little yeah. bit premium, right? A little bit too much for the, for the, for the newsletter. So is that also what you would be saying that, or was the price fair? Yeah, I felt like the price was fair for what's at. I mean, when you think about it, and like I had talked to some people, you know, in the space about it, and A, it was super early on. So that was sort of like where the notion that, you know, maybe it was a little bit high. But on the other end, like he was paying for three things, right? It wasn't just like, oh, here's a newsletter list. He was also getting like that plus a fully branded website. And I don't know where his skills lie, but for a lot of people, it's like, I don't, I could probably make something on like card or Landon or whatever and like get something up and going. But, you know, I, I really, really, the designer who built it, Wes, he's also my co-founder in that project. So it wasn't just me working on Product Byte for the record. Um, there's two of us. He's a sick designer and he made a really nice website. So I think there's a lot of value there. And then probably the biggest thing though is he got the process, right? So like I taught him all the ways that we uh, are sort of like hunting down these e-commerce products how you find a good product and then also what it takes to grow this thing right like the strategy that we were using to get to where we were at right so it was kind of like a business in a box in a sense but when a lot of people hear like he bought your newsletter i think their initial reaction is like he paid what for you know i don't know what the list was at like 
350 people and you know a few paying subscribers that seems a little high but i think there's other things that get wrapped into it that make it totally like worthwhile and the amount of time we spent sort of going back and forth afterwards i hope he sees value in that that it's not just like see you dude you bought the thing i'm out yeah yeah i think he would absolutely agree so he's definitely not regretting the purchase especially given that they have this other project and can use product by it not just as a paid newsletter, but also as a lead funnel for- Yeah, that made a lot of sense. I I really liked his thinking on like, those two things dovetail together really, really nicely. So that was cool. Agreed, yeah. Yeah. So of course, I'm really curious if you're willing to share anything on the process side that you just described. And of course, there are two things. The one is growth, the other is ideation, right? So coming up with great product ideas, but yeah. And gross ideas. So for sure. Let me sort of break it up into the two things so I don't get my wires crossed. So I'll start with growth first. And I'm going to keep some details a little bit more vague because like I really do think it's a solid formula and I might want to use it again. But I will give I, I promise I will give enough information that you're like, oh shit, this is kind of interesting. Okay, so I think a lot of people when they're doing a newsletter, this is like my high level, you've probably heard this before, but it's incredibly true. When you're creating content, most times it's actually pretty good. Like if somebody has the gumption to go out and like try building a newsletter, they're probably producing content that's good enough. Where I see more people fail is like distribution. They don't do a very good job of promoting their stuff and finding a channel that actually works to get subscribers. I luckily had heard that enough times going into this newsletter game that I made sure that like if I'm going to build a newsletter, distribution is actually going to matter more to me than content. I jokingly say, like, I really don't like writing. And I actually don't think I'm a very good uh, writer. It's not my strength. It's just something that I do. Um, and I'm like, good enough. So I hit the threshold where it's like, this is readable and it's interesting. Like, cool. My More, more of my focus is on like distribution, right? That's number one is like, be like conscious of where you're going to put your stuff out. The other thing is, and this will be like the last high level thing is like when you're thinking about like what to write, I do believe the reason why like product bite and brainstorms work so well is because our value prop is like sort of two different things. Like one, if you boil it down, it's like, we're going to help you sort of make money online. It's a super easy value proposition for someone to be like, oh shit, I should probably keep uh, reading this because it becomes less about entertainment and more about like, this is an investment, right? So that's one big thing. And, and sort of the next thing there is we're solving a problem. And, you know, they, those two things are really similar, but it's hard to find good startup ideas or it's hard to find really good products that have like research backed sort of pieces to them uh, related to like e-commerce. So that's another thing that I think is super important that if the information that you're giving out is hard to find or like not easily curated, that's a huge win as well. So if I start another newsletter, I think it's probably going to be like, those are going to be my value propositions that I try to position around. So that's sort of setting the stage foundationally. Now let's assume you've got something that falls into one of those two categories and you're like, cool, I'm going to run with it. There's a lot of different ways that you can go about like promoting your newsletter. And I think different channels work better for different people, right? The place where I've seen the most success thus far is actually on Reddit. Now I've, I think Benjamin is like, I mentioned had mentioned that he's like, this isn't good for me. Didn't really work super well for him. And that's fair. It might not, Uh, but you kind of just got to keep like swinging with Reddit and eventually things will stick. So for instance, like why I think Reddit works super well is I don't know exactly how their algorithm works, but I know how it works from my like anecdotal experience. So if you can get a post on Reddit on like a specific subreddit, like trending, which I think it only takes like, 10 upvotes or something like it's not a lot people who are subscribed to that subreddit and frequent uh, frequent it will actually get a notification on their phone that like hey this post is like trending it's interesting you should see it so reddit's feeding this content to their users even if they're not organically seeing it i don't know if that like will stay but it makes sense for reddit right it's going to probably boost their engagement but it's super good for content creators because this is an easy layup to get in front of a lot of people even if they're not perusing the subreddit in that moment. So that's the big one. The challenge with Reddit though is it's very anti-advertisement. Like, I don't know if you've spent time on Reddit, but like what I say, it's like the best and worst place on the internet, right? Like 
you can find some really, really cool people, but there's so many assholes on there and they're so anti like people peddling their stuff that you can easily just get like burnt at the stake if you're not careful. I mean, that's for sure happened to me before, like more than once, like people just crucified me because they're like, dude, you're out here like hawking your stuff, like don't put your link to your thing. And we could have a whole debate on why like, you know, I think that's childish behavior, but it's just the nature of it, right? So if you go into Reddit, know that you've got to have thick skin and that if you're going to try to even link out to your thing, regardless of if you post value or not, you might get sort of like called out. So I'm going to pause there. I've got a few more things, but I don't want to, I don't want to ramble too much. <laughs> yeah. that makes sense? Yes, super interesting. So what you described is exactly what Menachem mentioned, that like all his posts get flagged as spam and self-promotion and people are hating it. And I've never tried Reddit as a channel so far because I prefer to stay in my, in my nice bubble. So I try to stay away from Hacker News and Reddit because these places are not very nice <laughs> so, um, compared to like Product Hunt and Twitter. At least you can create your own little bubbles there and it's all beautiful, but. <laughs> 100%. Like, so th that maybe is one other thing to add to like my story. Just for context, I have no following on any platform at all. So like if I did have some sort of a Twitter following and I'm like trying to work on that right now, but I'm just, my Twitter game sucks. It's like, I am bad at tweeting. I need to do better at that. But if I had some sort of following on like Twitter or if I was more avid creator on like uh, product hunt, that would be my go-to. So if you have that, like 100% leverage it for me, I didn't. And this felt like the lowest hanging fruit Reddit is what I'm talking about to sort of create stuff that people would see regardless of who I was as a person, or if I had any sort of clout or influence on the platform yet. So I think that's, what's great about Reddit is that you can literally create a, t a profile tomorrow or an account tomorrow. And then buy like, that afternoon, your tweet could be on the front page, right? That might be true of, or your post could be on the front page. That might be true of Twitter, but I don't know enough about how Twitter works. And my gut reaction is that like, it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't yeah, work that way. If you don't have followers, you ain't going to get uh, much traction. <laughs> right. So yeah. And another example that just came to my mind is Stardust Story. So oh, yeah. you know, exactly. And he used exactly the same tactic, right? He grew big um, by posting his case studies, his interviews on Reddit. And he also got so much hate there and eventually got super frustrated and quit there. But of course, yeah. only after he already built like his big thing and simply didn't need the Reddit traffic that much anymore. So yeah, just shows that it, it absolutely can work. And, but still it's, it's a tough place, even if you're like, I think he figured it out. So he really was able to grow using Reddit, but still he got all this hate and <laughs> right. so he, here's a couple of tips and tricks on Reddit. I like, I'll just sort of rattle them off. And if any of them sound interesting, we could, you know, maybe go deeper. So the first one is that I don't think Reddit is the like, most scalable way to grow your audience. It works in the beginning, right? It, but there's a threshold that you're going to hit pretty quick. I mean, I'm like seeing that already. And what I mean by that is like with Twitter, you like the beauty of it is that you can sort of grow infinitely in the sense of how many followers that you have and people who are going to keep seeing your stuff repeatedly, right? We're like, well, it's the blessing and curse of Reddit where you don't have to have an audience for people to see your shit. You also can't really build an audience. Like people can follow you on Reddit. I mean, I now have, I don't know. It's not a lot. It's like in the mid hundreds of followers. So we'll call it like 500 followers or something. And like, they'll like get pinged when I post stuff, but it's very different than like Twitter in the sense that I think that that's a much more scalable place to build an audience than Reddit. So like, that's thing number one, like, like you want to build on Reddit and get off of Reddit or like put your, your sort of effort behind another platform. That's maybe a little bit more challenging soon. The other couple of things is that like, look for subreddits that are a little bit more lenient on the self-promotion policy. So if you're looking for a newsletter to start, one tactic that you could use is like, if you want to use Reddit as a growth channel, go peruse the Reddit rules or the subreddit rules rather, and find out like, what are other people posting on here? Are like self-promotion links cool? Or are those things like non-existent, meaning they're probably just getting banned or flagged or like kicked off immediately. If not, like, cool, you're probably in a good subreddit that you could figure out a way to like do a little bit of self-promotion. And then like the two tactical things are 
whether you self-promote or not, but like, especially if you self-promote, you have to provide value. Like that's a bare minimum. So like any of my posts, it's like 1%, like, Hey, I do this thing, check it out here. And the other 99% is just content that um, I find, or I think is super valuable. And, you know, uh, the stats are showing me that other Reddit users find it valuable. So like, that's the trade-off there is like, you really can't do much more than like, just like a tiny little link or a tiny little hyperlinked block of text. That's like, Hey, this is where you can go find me. And the last thing is I will intentionally sometimes post like slightly controversial ideas. Here's like an example. Um, I post an idea about how I think that there should be a employer should use some sort of like a LinkedIn monitoring platform to find out when their employees are updating their LinkedIn profile. The reason being, if you update your LinkedIn profile, there's a strong likelihood that you're going to like ditch and leave the company. Everybody's like, dude, evil. That's a, that's an idea that is actually evil. Like you are not fighting for the people you're fighting for the corporates hundred percent. Like I get that, but the controversy stoked a lot of conversation, which then got me engagement, which then, you know, boosted in Reddit. So little hacks like that, where it's still a valuable post, but it's like an idea that people are like, Oh, that's cool. But like, I don't want to be the douchebag that builds that makes for interesting engagement. And then, you know, it starts the cycle. So that's a little bit about Reddit. Yeah, makes makes perfect sense. And just, maybe just one last question I have is on the quality of subscribers. Because of course, I mean, subscriber numbers are just irrelevant if no one reads actually your stuff, whatever. And if they are not engaging with your content, so like um, click-through rates and open rates are important metrics, definitely. And I'm curious just what your experiences are with Reddit when it comes to quality of the subscriber. Uh, Reddit, I think, has some of the highest quality Okay, so like I'll tell you about the other couple that I've run, but those are those tactics are definitely less thought out. But to answer your question, I sort of segment my audience based on where they come from. And Reddit by far for me has like the best engagement. So uh, to give you like what my open rates are, it's roughly 40%, a little bit higher. So like my last campaign that I sent, so this one was just sent last Thursday, six, uh, no, no, 46.5% opens and like a 6.2% click. I don't get wrapped up in clicks because I don't do any advertising and clicks are like, I'm just linking out to additional resources. Maybe I should care about that more, I don't know. But that's like what I'm seeing in like my open rates. So they're pretty good. They could always be better, but if I can stay above 40%, I'm happy. And you know, I've just seen that that sort of like industry average of where you should try to hit if you have a newsletter that isn't like, you know, Uh, an e-commerce newsletter or something where it's like, I'm giving you valuable content and this is my business. So that's what I'm trying to sort of hit. So anyway, I do think the quality from Reddit is pretty high. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So maybe surprising to me, so, but really cool to hear. I agree. Like that was one of my questions going into it is like, are the people who open this from Reddit, is this quality traffic or is this just junk, right? I do think, and I'm, you know, this is totally my thesis. I, it's not grounded in much, so I'll own that. I think that the people who use Reddit are typically more techie, more like investigative in the sense that they are trying to sort of like go through alternative uh, methods to get their information beyond just like Facebook and Twitter. And they have like a higher sense for like this bullshit radar, which I'm correlating with this, like they are a, a more engaged consumer. So That's where my sort of thesis lands on. If you're going after Reddit traffic, it does probably work better for like information products than maybe something else. But that's totally anecdotal. And, you know, maybe like an e-commerce company or something would crush. I don't know. Yeah. And I just remember that you had like a paid newsletter before, right? The current yeah. one is still free, but at least a few of the people converted. So this is also a sign. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That... Dude, like uh, the first Reddit post we made for Product Byte I think we had like three or four paid subscribers from like one post. And I was like, oh shit, like this is how we need to do this now. Like this works. And, and you know, at the time, I don't know what it is now, but like we were seeing similar numbers from the product by newsletter early on, smaller batch of people for sure. But you know, it was in line. Super cool. And one question <laughs> I, I have still is what type of content you post? Do you create new content? For your Reddit post, or is it just the newsletter content itself? 
So that's a great question. I tried just like kind of reformatting the newsletter content as it was for Reddit and it worked. I had a number that were like sort of upvoted and like got me a ton of traction. And then I started trying and like, this is something I'm currently debating on what to do with, but rather than posting the exact same content that I posted in my newsletter, I started doing more like soundbite-esque ideas, but more of them. So, right. I'll list like three ideas that aren't deeply researched, which kind of goes against my newsletters, like, you know, ethos, but whatever. So I'll send out like three, like half-baked ideas that are, it's easier to consume. It's a shorter read. And it's actually easier for me to create because I don't need to go and do all the research and find out like, is this actually a good idea? It just needs to sound good. Right. So, and that does, it does better than my other content on Reddit. And now the question is like, should I just do that for my newsletter? Like, is, is this traction that I'm getting on Reddit indicative of what would happen if I just did it in my newsletter? Like would people be more into it? And if I'm being honest, like I'm just afraid to try it, which is, you know, I think a silly excuse, but I need to do that. Like I need to actually do some testing on, Hey, if like my audience wants these like three short form ideas that, you know, might be good, but you know, also might have their like glaring holes. Let's just see what happens. So TBD on that one. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I think they're, I, of course, both approaches make sense because one complaint that many people have when it comes to these product ideas, newsletters is that you need a lot of them to find one idea that's actually a good fit for you, right? So if there's just one idea that's explained and is super detailed, then, well, chances are not that high that there is something in there for you. But if you're including more ideas and discuss them shorter, then ch chances are higher. But also, like, I just noticed from, from the trends, what they shared, like the feedback they get on their trends.co. Yeah. This, these are the two criticisms, right? Not enough ideas. And they don't go deep enough. So it's both like two, two groups of people. Worlds. Yeah. <laughs> what I've seen in that, because I'm also part of, I guess, yeah, I'm also part of Trends, which super high quality group, not affiliated, but shout out to them. They're great. The, 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 like publicly, Sam has mentioned that what people want are like shorter emails. Like they're like, fuck, these emails are so long. Like I can't read them. And I used to love the emails. And like by used to, I mean, like as of like three months ago, And I just hit a wall and fell off. Like my content consumption has like went down quite a bit ever since I've been having to like uh, create all this content. And I don't read the emails anymore because they're just so long. I'm like, oh, dude, this is going to take me like 20 minutes to get through. Like I'm not a quick reader. So it's a real handicap for me. So I don't know. Uh, there might be something to that. Yeah. And I mean, there is certainly a market for, for anything, it seems, because there are so many of these newsletters popping up everywhere. And, oh, for sure. And some are making a killing. And even even the bad ones are earning good money. So it's it's really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. This is a hot market. And like, I am definitely not the first. It, it's just an opportunity that I sort of pounced on. The one that got big before he even started doing it was a company called Houston. It was like Houston.do. They were hosted on Substack. They don't do it anymore. I reached out to the founder, had a conversation with him about it. And like, he's now running some sort of company that got, you know, series A funding. So like, that was his whole thing or he's pivoted over to that. But like, point being, none of these ideas are all that novel, like around like, ah, we're going to give you startup ideas. I think he's taking a very interesting approach to it. And, you know, I like his content, but the idea itself, it's existed for a long time now. Yeah, certainly. So it's funny because I have exactly a list like you. I have an Airtable with all these. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like here are all the people that do the same thing. And like you, like the thing is with all of these lists. So I don't know if this is interesting, but I'll just share this little tidbit is part of what I was thinking about doing is my growth strategy is like, oh, I'll just go up and buy these little lists and just sort of like bring their subscribers into the fold. Like this seal is like a really good way to sort of growth hack this is just spend, I don't know, like call it three bucks a subscriber and take their, their list and, and sort of, you know, I already know that they did the work. They're probably relatively engaged if they have decent open rates and click throughs I just build it that way. After reaching out to all these lists, I won't name any names because I don't want to give away their metrics, but I would say like 90% of them, maybe even higher had less than 500 subscribers which I'm not saying like 500 is bad, but I'm saying that like they aren't big. And this sort of alludes to my original point of, I think a lot of their content is actually pretty good. It's like, oh, you're actually talking about interesting things. 
The problem is that you don't have a very good distribution strategy. So and they've been doing this for like several months, if not like years. And that's sort of where it's like, okay, this is the problem is that like growing something is harder than just coming up with this content. Yeah, definitely. And I just had a look at Houston. So he stopped a year ago already, right? And yep, yep, yep. the last number I have is 4,000 subscribers, in fact. Yeah. So that's not, not too bad. And I'm really curious why no one bought it. So I tried, to buy, I tried to buy from, I don't know. We just, the deal sort of fell through it. it I, I don't have a good reason for it. I think that the founder just got wrapped up in something else. So it never, never came to fruition, but yeah, they were one of the ones that were on the, the better end of it where I was like, oh shit, you're doing super well. But yeah, I think a lot of them were struggling with that distribution problem. Yeah. So I have this um, thing called newsletter spy. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like yeah. subscriber accounts. Yeah. And if you want to buy newsletters, this is like ideal. And now I know a few people who are doing exactly this. So looking for newsletters with some subscribers who haven't posted in a while and then making offers to the owner. Because yeah, it's, it's, it's win-win for everyone. Yeah, right? it's super smart. I, I have not had much luck with it. So like as somebody who's went down that and probably had half a dozen conversations, like actual conversations about purchasing a newsletter, none of them have come to fruition. And the way I'd hoped, but I'm still bullish on that idea. Like, I do think it's a great hack to just getting something and starting something if you can get it for the right price. Yeah, this is my only, the only thing I only also noticed is that like so much stuff in the newsletter space is completely overpriced. Yeah. And one thing is like ads, newsletter ads are so overpriced, it's ridiculous. And also like people really seem to overestimate the value of their <laughs> newsletter. And uh, when you're looking at the prices people, people want. So, okay. And, and we're I, I'm just having a conversation. I feel like I'm like maybe being too candid, but I, I want to back everything with like the people who are creating this shit are super cool. And I like the tools. I just disagree with like what they're doing. So that's my like disclaimer to what I'm about to say. So are you familiar with like letter exchange? Sure. Yeah. I love the idea. Like this idea of a marketplace to buy and sell newsletters. I'm for it. I'm here for the idea. But they had this tool, it's called Valuate. And this is like, I don't know how they actually come up with these numbers. I'm sure there's some like little backend equation. But when you put in all of your subscribers, almost always, I've done it like with a few tests, like let's just see what happens. It comes back like what I would consider way overpriced. I'm like, what? You think your newsletter is like this kind of newsletter is worth this? And I've never seen a tool other than theirs that does this. And so I like the idea because valuing the newsletter is incredibly hard. So like when we were having those conversations about selling product bite, it was like, well, where do I start? Right. And you know, I had a basic equation that I used. It was like, well, here's how I'm justifying what we're going to sell this for. But it was like not anywhere near as high as this sort of like newsletter evaluation tool. And my ask is like, keep doing what you're doing. Whoever is running letter exchange. I like it. I think your valuation tools too, too bullish it, it definitely inflates the value and that would be my ask is like bring it down a little bit but maybe i maybe they know something i don't so yeah yeah definitely they do you know uh, stefan from alternative assets i don't yeah he wrote a super long post on the world of newsletter acquisitions and yeah he discusses so he has some really cool thoughts on how to how to value how to put a number on a newsletter where can I find this? I was like, book I book. will send it to you in the chat. It's alternativeassets.club and then the world of newsletter acquisitions. So he was also on Substack and moved away. I just put it in the chat. Oh, nice. This is dope. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely have to read this. Um, nice. Learn something new every day. Cool. So I actually, not to get off topic, but Jacob, I was actually introduced to you because I purchased uh, Product Explorer. I think that's a dope tool. And I didn't know you prior to that. I had purchased it. And then I'm sure like most people, they heard that get shouted out on the My First Million podcast. And I was like, dude, that name sounds super familiar. And then he was like, oh, he did this like 
I don't know. If, I don't know if it was Product Explorer or Gumspy or whatever he shouted out. I'm like, oh, I bought a thing from this guy. <laughs> um, uh, so I think that's super cool. And my question for you, if you don't mind, is like, what was your motivation for just becoming such a prolific creator? Like you made more stuff than probably most people have in the last five years. And I don't know, has it been like a year less than that? Less um, than that. Yeah. It takes months. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just curious. Like, I think it's worked incredibly well for you, but I want to know more about like the strategy, like why you did it. And also, is it working? Are you fulfilling everything that you wanted to by sort of taking this path? Yeah, so the idea started with the whole bootstrap MBA idea, right? So I decided to design a little learning experiment for me and give me 12 months time to, to decide whether entrepreneurship is a good fit for me. And part of it is that I will launch a new product each month. So inspired by this 12 products in 12 months challenge that a lot of people have tried. And so this explains possibly the shipping speed right? <laughs> I committed to uh, launch something new each month. And luckily, I only did like pure fun projects in the beginning and really quickly moved on to paid products, which is, yeah, the best thing you can do really if you're just starting out, I think, because it's so easy to get lost in these fun little side projects that are never going anywhere. And yeah, paid products really help to clarify what has value and what hasn't. Of course, money is not a perfect metric, but it's the best one we have. <laughs> and I fully so, agree. And As I, somebody who runs a free newsletter, I fully agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I recently uh, wrote a long blog post on the whole issue of free stuff. And, yeah, I read that. Good. Yeah, basically reflecting on the, whole, on the whole thing. And this, of course, is something I wanted to ask you. So why are you now doing a free newsletter after having quite some success with your paid one. So <laughs> yeah, but coming back to your question. So of course, super happy with how it went so far. But on the other hand, I'm not happy with like the scope of my projects. For example, Product Explorer is nice, but it could be so much better. And the same with Gumspy and Newsletter Spy and like a few other ideas I had. So this is what I want to tackle this year. Like, yeah, I, 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 I did a lot of reflection and the last few weeks really thought about what I did so far. And I think I identified an important error I made. And this is, I focus too much on what I could do and not enough on what I should do. And what I mean is that I was like focusing on what kind of data I can get, what kind of little tool I can build, but I was not focused enough on like the use case. So what are people actually using the data for so and this came up in another conversation because i was asked and i had literally no idea why are people buying this and there are many possible answers right so there are many things you can do with the data sets and the one we just talked about is just one you can buy newsletters by if you're interested in purchasing a newsletter that is that is abandoned right and so you can get it at cheap price and but if you then say, okay, this is the use case, and um, you can build something much better than just a data dump, right? And, yeah. and the same is true for like all the possible use cases that motivates people to buy data. And yeah, this is what I want to do and get better at, like focusing on a specific use case and provide more value instead of just like raw, raw stuff. Yeah. I like it, dude. I'm a super fan. As somebody who doesn't code like at all, I am like have such a limited knowledge of it that like I sometimes don't even know what can be done. I think that making these little tools that I imagine you're just using a few like scripts, sort of scrape this thing and then put it somewhere else. That's like magic to me. So I, I also imagine there are a number of people that find that incredibly valuable. I mean, I for sure did in the sense that I went out and purchased the product explorer once. I'm like, Oh, this is genius. Like this is a great way for me to like find the nuggets or the diamonds in the rough of like product hunt and all these places so I think it's super cool, man. I am, I genuinely mean this, like it is inspiring to watch you build and, and it motivates me to just sort of keep like putting shit out there, even if it's uncomfortable. Yeah. So now that I have a customer on the line, <laughs> yeah. I'm of course curious. So what motivated you? What was your use case? Okay. So, and I have an idea for you as well. We can also just riff on ideas. We can go wherever you want with this, but so 
I'll answer your question. What motivated me to buy it? I am a huge uh, fan currently, and maybe this like fandom will wane after I'm like, this actually isn't a good way to do things. Of this idea that going on and purchasing dead product from products, I think is a good sort of like sort of thesis to build a business on. Like, oh, just go like swoop these things up that get really good traction. To find those companies is really hard. Like I wouldn't know how to do it because, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to just search through the pages on product hunt, clicking on every link um, that I think is interesting. So you provide a solution to that, right? It's like, ah, you can just get this database. I'll tell you if it's dead or alive. And I'll give you other sort of metrics that you can use to quickly sort of see, is this an opportunity you want to pursue or not? So that was the use case for me. It was all about like the dead products and which ones I could possibly go like swoop up and buy. Now, here's my idea for you. The problem that I had with that is I have this database now. I don't know how many, was it like 40,000? It was something that was like too hard for me to actually sift through. And I found myself being like, shit, I now have the data, but I need somebody to synthesize the data. So you could probably go a number of ways with this, but like one idea that I've like had is you should just like write a newsletter that's like three of my best dead product uh, hunt finds a week that I think that you should go try to acquire. And you've got the data already and, and just sort of like pushing that out is like, oh, uh, this is an easy win. It's a layup for you to sort of get this. Or I don't know, create another product that has like Jacob's 10 best product hunt finds that are dead and just sell that as a PDF for, I don't know, 30 bucks or whatever it is. That's what I would do if I were you just sort of like keep monetizing on that because I'm somebody who thought that all of the data would be like, this is what I need. And I did, but I actually needed one more step, which was the curation of that data. And I think there's another person who like, I think you've inspired a movement too, by the way, where like, I'm seeing more and more people build this shit the same way you did. I don't know if you're like the OG um, of this, like, I'm going to make a simple landing page with, you know, card or landed or whatever you used and then input my Airtable link. And like, that's my product. Super smart, by the way. Who's the dude that just launched? What is it? Validate? Validated ideas? Yes. Where he's like, oh, I'm going to show you like Chrome extensions, all the things that just have shitty product reviews. Smart idea. I'm a big fan of that. I I like it. I bought it. Um, Same problem, right? Same problem. Yeah. So you have all these people who are curate or not even curating, just aggregating these big databases and like, I am a person who wants curation. So if there are more people like me and that's the question, like, am I an anomaly? Maybe I think there's a market for like the next step of like, I would be interested to know why other people have purchased your thing. If it's for the same reason, then I have to imagine the problem exists in the same way. So, yeah, I absolutely love that you say that because it's precisely the conclusion I ended up with. So, as I said, I wrote down like the use cases. And this acquisition use case is exactly one of them. And then I thought about what could I provide? And this is exactly what I want to do this year. And it's awesome to hear that this is something people are interested in. And like I said, I, when I was asked, I for the first time looked into my data and I'm not tracking anything properly. So the only data I have is like people open rates for different databases. Right. So, but it turned out that the product hunt da- database is by far the most popular one. So this, I think, supports the hypothesis because this is, I think, the best thing you can do with this particular database. And yeah, exactly. I would love to, to go in that direction. And I would, I would pay for it again, man. I'm not kidding. <laughs> like, if you do that, I'll be your first customer. I think it's super smart. Yeah, the, I, just, uh, I just wrote some new code that, will be, that re- really will be help me to find these nuggets. Because I so far have like only this binary metric, which is live or dead, but there is something in between, which is even more valuable, which is abandoned. And yeah, I just wrote some code in that hopefully will allow me to find abandoned projects, right? Not just when the, the, the switch is already off. Yeah, I like that. You asked a question too, that I just want to circle back to, because like, I wasn't, ju- this wasn't just lip service. Like I actually completely agree with you that whenever I work with founders, I'm like, money is the ultimate indicator of like, are you doing the right thing or not? I agree whether that matters to the founder or not, if it's about making money or not. It's just a really, really good indicator of value. So we are totally aligned there. And your question was, so then as somebody who's preaching this, why did you go ahead and start like a free project when you were doing like a paid newsletter, right? And here's my answer. 
and I will let other people be the judge if it's a good one or not. So for me, my motivation behind building the newsletter is actually to build an audience more than it is to make money. Well, that's not true. It's to build an audience and then monetize that audience in a different way. So the reason why myself and my co-founder got really burnt out on Product Byte is because we were on a very aggressive content treadmill. So we were writing like full reports on products on three different products every week. And it was a lot. And we were just like, fuck this, this is hard. It, it, it became not fun because of the amount of content that we were writing. Now, this is in part due to the fact that, you know, we don't really like writing content. It's not our passion. So it felt like work. And maybe we could have set it up differently from the beginning where like we just started too aggressively and then we had to like keep hitting that bar every week. And that's something I decided I definitely do not want to do with brainstorms. So brainstorms, I send out one idea and it's relatively long. I don't know. It's probably like a five page word document every week, maybe a little bit less. And, you know, one way that you could monetize is like, just provide more content, which is essentially what product bite was. Now in the newsletter world, I think there's like dissenting opinions on that. Like, is that a good idea or not? Like some people are like, don't just put more of the same shit out there. People won't pay for that. You have to do it differently. And I'm sort of subscribing to that idea. Like what are other ways that I could monetize this audience? And I just use my brainstorm newsletter as the sort of lead magnet to get them in my world. And then I'll sell them on other shit. So an example, I ran an experiment on like, what does that other shit look like? Uh, in this case, what I did was I actually started a like validation bootcamp. So I haven't talked at all about this and we don't have to go to this, but like the way I actually make money in my life isn't from brainstorms. I do consulting for startup accelerators. So I've got a pretty long history in the accelerator world prior to all of this, but the gist of it is I act as like an interim managing director for the three months of the program. And then after the program's over, I just jump to another one. And I get paid to just work with founders. It's a really sweet gig. My thought is I have a very, very similar audience that I'm building as the audience that would be going through a startup accelerator. Maybe my audience for brainstorms is slightly earlier, like they're looking for ideas. But the same thing is true for these people. Like the problem is the same, is that they need help applying like lean startup methodologies and like growing their business from like zero to 10 or like zero to 100, right? Like that's the problem here. I already have all of the content Um, Because I like run workshops. I have this framework that I use when I help founders. I do all of this shit in my day job. It feels like low hanging fruit to just run these one-off boot camps and get money that way from my brainstorms audience. And like one boot camp ticket would pay for, you know, I I don't actually know what the math is, but we'll call it like $55 subscriptions. Right. And that to me feels like a better avenue for making money than trying to like nickel and dime people on the front end. I respect people who go that route. I think it's totally viable. Like, you know, Kevin has proved that with software ideas. He's crushing it. It's just a different business model. Right. Yeah. And this is totally in line with what I wrote, right? If you have something to sell, then giving stuff for free is perfectly okay. Right. Because it's actually a strategy. And as you said, it's a lead magnet. Um, You're bringing people into your world and building up a connection and you actually have something to sell that's perfectly relevant. And I just had a look. I actually got your email on the validation bootcamp. 250 oh, yeah. bucks. What can I promise? Yeah, for one. And like, honestly, if, I'm, if we're just talking, I think that I underpriced that pretty hard. So next time around, like I said in my email, but I'm like, I'm serious. I, I'm going to increase that price. But yeah, it was 250, right? So for me, it's like getting, you know, and, and just to share, I have like 10 people in that. So not, not like a stupid amount of money, but you know, the way I ended up pitching that was I didn't build a website. I didn't have like a link to buy in the email. It was literally a plain text email that was like, Hey, I'm doing this thing. Do you guys want this thing? If so, here's how much it costs. And I think more people just need to do that. Like don't over-engineer this shit. If your fans actually are like fans and they're monetizable people, then they're going to respond to authenticity. And like, that's truly what it was. It was like, I don't know if I should even do this bootcamp thing. I'm not sure if this is like the right thing for you guys, but here's my sort of like hypothesis on what I think you need. Um, You guys let me know if it's true or not. So that would be my encouragement to anybody that is thinking about building stuff. Like just put it out there, man. See what happens. Yeah. I love it. And you definitely should judge more because (laughs) <laughs> yeah, as you as I you know. said, it's again 
something people can see as an investment. And then can, you can also look at what other people are charging for these kind of boot camps. And in particular, you only like allow five people per batch or something like that. So it's, uh, it's yeah, so I broke it up into two. So there's five in each batch, roughly. I mean, people will kind of jump around or whatever time works for them, but that's the idea. Yeah, and though this, it then sounds very much like these cohort-based courses that are all the rage right now, and people are charging ridiculous amount of money for it, and people are paying it, right? right? So yeah, yeah. In in this case, like, and I I don't know that I want to completely eliminate this part of it, but it's. It's not just a course in the sense that I've recorded all the videos. Like I have all, like I do have a library of like 60 videos that I've recorded for one-off purposes. So like when I work with an accelerator, rather than saying the same shit 10 times, I'm like, this is actually the distilled version of like the best version of the way I've ever said this. Just watch this thing and then come talk to me. I'm creating some new content for this boot camp that I'm doing live. So I actually am like literally trading time for money, which I hate. But it's so fun though. Like that's the that's the counterpoint. I like we we kicked everything off yesterday with the cohort and super smart people are in it. I had a blast giving our first presentation. I felt like it went really really well. I think they did too. And it'll be hard to sort of remove that human touch from it because like I don't know. I think it's super valuable. So maybe the the point is though like if I have that, I just need to charge more. And I'm sort of grappling with that idea right now. Yeah, and I think that's the whole point of these cohort-based courses that you have these live elements, that it's not just some random videos you can watch whenever you want, but there's actually like this accountability in a small group, you get personalized help. And yeah, I just try to remember what the people are charging, but it's really a $1,000 upwards, right? This Perel writing course, Tiago Forte, productivity stuff, but also... Ali Abdel or whatever it's called, the YouTube course. So <laughs> people are really willing to charge for these personalized help. And sure. I also totally agree that this looks like the future of education. This is how it should work like. Yeah. Dude, I am super bullish on like internet education. Like you look at like MOOCs and YouTube and all this stuff. Like my, my girlfriend, she's, she's in Spain right now getting her master's in like law. So she is double down on the school route. And we get a little tips all the time about how like higher education super broken. And she generally agrees with me, but it's easier for me to say as somebody who isn't in school than somebody who's like currently doing a master's program and like part of the system. But that's a tangent. I, I, I agree that I think that there's, there's a lot of value online that is much, much cheaper than traditional academia. Yeah, and not just cheaper. I think this part is largely irrelevant um, if you at least come from a country like Germany where education is free. So this is never oh, a good... Right. Uh, That's a fair <laughs> point. Yeah. But, get two, different, uh, two different languages. Yeah, but it's also far more effective. And I spend far too much time in the education system. And I'm totally on your side when it comes to how just ineffective it is. And you have like all these people teaching who don't want to teach and who can't teach. It's really ridiculous. And all the people who want to teach are not allowed to teach. It's so crazy. Like you only, like only the professors are allowed to give lectures, but they actually don't only want to do research, right? And they all have to write these grants. And there are lots of motivated younger people or maybe older people, and they are not allowed to give lectures. Simple as that. It's, it's such a crazy system. All of that. And then the last thing I'll add, because like I, 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 we could talk about this for an hour and it would just turn into like me <laughs> ranting. Like, all right, dude, we get it. But I also think that the accountability or sort of the checks and balances that are, that exist for teachers or professors are limited, right? So this happens all the time in my girlfriend's classes. The whole class will just bomb and do super shitty. And what happens? The professor just applies a curve. Oh, now you all pass because like I did a super shit job in teaching this. Nobody passed anything, but like, I will apply this arbitrary sort of mechanism to get everybody to a place where it looks like you passed and you learned the thing and you just go on your way. Right. And to me, it's like, in what world can you just do a completely below average, if not garbage job, and then still get away with it and just be like, well, it's your fault for not learning it. Right. It was like, hold on a minute. Like maybe if there's one or two students that didn't do good, like that argument would fly, but like your job is to teach everybody. And if nobody got taught, 
if they needed to. Like the problem isn't with us. And that just happens way too frequently. It's a way too common thing to where I'm like, you're paying so much and you're not learning. Like that's, that's the whole value proposition. Like what's going on? (laughs) So I don't know. It's yeah. Only if you believe that learning is the value proposition and not like this. Sure. That's actually getting a piece of paper. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, then right. it's no longer uh, crazy cool man dude this is super fun what here's here's i i don't know we're probably close to the hour i i can talk if you want but one idea that i have for this podcast is i haven't listened to all of them so i'll own that i'm not a super listener i've only listened to a couple but you don't have that many out so maybe i'm okay i think that you should do more riffing on ideas like they do on the my first million podcast it's super fun man I love listening to that. It's like my daily, you know, whenever they come out, I like hop right on it. I don't think enough podcasts do that. And you're in a really good position to where like, you've probably got this audience of makers and you're doing the shit and you're making it. And you've got a newsletter too. You've got the product ideas newsletter. So you're doing shit. You should just be riffing with people on ideas. And if you ever want help on that, like literally I've got a list of 200 ideas that I pick from every week to just sort of write stuff about. And like, I can help you tee that off if you want, but you know, this is your thing. That's my suggestion though. Yeah, it's super, super awesome because I just wanted to suggest because we didn't get to any product ideas. Oh, <laughs> so sorry, far. that was probably on me. We can keep going. Um, no, no, no. Can... no. Um, I, ju- I wanted to, to suggest that we record another episode where we really <laughs> talk about product ideas because I always try to bring it into that direction, like getting a list of product ideas and then actually discussing it with people, but sometimes uh, just getting to know something, something new is just so fun. And then already an hour passes. So. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm super down. Like, seriously, if you want to schedule something, I will talk less. I know I did most of the talking here, so I apologize. Maybe that was the point. I don't know. That's um, the point. Definitely. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Like hopefully I didn't just sort of like take over here, but yeah, if you want to just riff on ideas, I've got a lot. Most of them will probably never make it in, but you know, I'm subjective and maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm happy to just spitball with you some ideas and we could turn this more into like a brainstorm and, you know, drift that way. That would be dope. Yeah, let's do it. So you have like my Calendly, you can just pick a new slot. (laughs) Is that the best way to do it? Just uh, get a new, maybe we can do like next week or something. Cool. I'll hit you up there. That works for me, man. Dude, thanks for having me on. Like... I don't, Thanks for taking the time. I yeah. People, yeah, I don't have many people I talk to about this stuff. So it's cool. It's cool to just like share the story. And hopefully it was valuable. Hopefully it was helpful and I didn't sort of go off the rails too much. <laughs> it did, but it was fun <laughs> nevertheless. So it, 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 it was really awesome, um, even though it, it went in a completely different direction. So I really enjoyed yeah. it and learned so much, especially about well, newsletter growth. Uh, well, that's all, that's all for me. Thank you again, man. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, see ya. Bye-bye. All right. See you, Jacob.